This is the Ridge Hunter Outdoors podcast. What's going on, everybody? This is episode 47. I'm Canyon Clark. Today, I'm going to talk a little bit about shooting does since the season is coming up. This is going to be the last episode before the season starts here in Illinois, so that's exciting. I know some of you guys in Missouri and Kansas and Kentucky are already out there hunting. Uh, those probably aren't the only ones, but here in Illinois, our season opens on the 1st, so that's what we're going off of. We've got less than a week to go. Saturday's the 1st, so that's exciting stuff. And then we'll also be starting that, hopefully starting a new episode of the podcast as well with not on opening day, but that next following week. We'll see how that goes, but that's the plan sort of for right now. So what I wanted to talk about today, it's going to be kind of short since it's just me. Um, and I apologize for this being late again. Uh, I had some stuff come up over the weekend. We weren't able to get everybody in here. So this is what we got for this week. But I was talking to a buddy of mine. Uh, a few days ago, maybe a couple weeks ago now, actually, about shooting does and which ones to shoot and should you shoot them or should you not. So I did a video on this uh, last season, probably around this time, but I wanted to kind of go over it again just because we had that conversation and kind of refreshed what are my thoughts on that. And then I think a lot of guys have that question. And there's different theories on it. So a lot of guys, some guys you'll see are like, shoot every doe that you see and other guys will tell you to never shoot a doe when in reality it should kind of be based on your deer herd like specific to your location or your region wherever you're at if you've got really really high deer numbers then you should probably be shooting more does than someone who like you know maybe up north the say michigan or even down south in areas of georgia or tennessee arkansas that doesn't have they don't have as many deer not the numbers that say we do here in southern illinois or places in iowa missouri throughout the Midwest, um, you know, they shouldn't be shooting as many does. So we'll get into a little bit more of the specifics on that, but that's kind of the rundown of what we're going to be doing. Um, I don't think I have any other updates. So we, Nate did get his, uh, blind put up. We may do a review on the podcast of that. Um, it's a soft shell elevated blind, Seems pretty durable. We saw some of them up at the show. So he's got one of those going. Uh, we'll probably talk about it next time he's on. His food plots are looking really good. So going to hopefully do some videos on that. Going to do the work at the cabin this week. I don't, I'm don't. i hoping still to get done everything I want to do. Just going to be planting a little bit different. We might do, we're going to do more winter wheat than we originally thought probably out there. So but we'll have videos on those coming up too. And then, obviously, as we get rolling into the season, I want to try to do some videos, uh, just keeping up with everybody here and what we're seeing and what's going on, not only just with the podcast, but doing videos as well to make a little bit better YouTube content. So, that said, we'll get into the shooting does topic. Um, there was another another thing that kind of jogged my memory on it. Well, got me thinking about it again was an article in the latest Bowhunter magazine. They were talking about it. Um, so first of all, like some some myths about shooting does, like the, probably the biggest one is that if you shoot a doe with her fawns, then her fawns are going to die as well. Uh, that is possible, but it's also possible they die with their mother around. Uh, there's actually not a lot of data to support that. Um, it's actually 
way more prevalent that they go ahead and survive, uh, even if you do shoot them. Now, <clears throat> there are going to be some cases where there'll be late-born fawns that just are still tiny. Those ones probably won't make it if they can't find another doe, because that's what the fawns are going to do. They're going to go find another group. That's why you'll see two or three does with, you know, six, seven fawns occasionally or, you know, whatever. Maybe you see a big herd and the numbers kind of look off as far as how many does and fawns there are one way or the other. But the fawns will go find another doe. Um, and then actually when you're shooting does with fawns, um, if you can shoot a doe with button bucks, or a button buck and a doe as opposed to two does, uh, the dispersal rate will go way down on those bucks. You've got a better chance of keeping those bucks on your property, or at least in your area for the next four or five years, whatever it is. Um, whereas if you shoot the does, same thing's going to happen, but then you've got two more does hanging out instead of those two more bucks. If, the, if you don't shoot that doe with her button bucks, she'll run them off, and then they'll just they disperse up to you know i think the average is one to two miles or something i don't remember exactly so either way that shrinks drastically if they don't have the mother around because they're not going to run them she's not going to run them off so that's probably the biggest myth to shooting does and then even with that like there you know there's kind of a caveat to that shooting a doe with fawns um again it's going to depend on your goals kind of like we were talking about before if you're wanting to increase your deer population but you still need want to shoot a doe for to put meat in the freezer, um, or maybe you're still trying to help balance a buck to doe. Like maybe you have just so few bucks, and what deer you do have, and you're trying to balance those numbers a little bit. If you can shoot a doe that doesn't have fawns, that's going to be the one to shoot in that instance, because it's likely that while the sterility in does is mm, I don't want to say a myth, but it's very rare. There are does that are going to be more productive than others. So if a doe has twins with her, she's more likely to have twins again next year than a doe that doesn't have any fawns with her this year. Now, that doesn't mean that she didn't have twins also and they got hit by cars or killed by disease or predators, but it's more likely uh, if you've got two does, one goes by with a fawn or two fawns, and then another one comes by with none, the one with no fawns with her is... Uh, one you're going to want to shoot in that case, and that case being you've got low deer numbers, but you still want to shoot that doe to kind of balance your buck-to-doe ratio. Um, and on that buck-to-doe ratio, obviously one-to-one -one is great. Um, if you've got two-to-one buck-to-doe, that's even better for hunting purposes, especially like if you're hunting during the rut, uh, those bucks are going to have to go farther to find their does. That's the biggest thing where you get into too many does, uh, like a doe factory or uh, you're getting around like three to one, four to one does to, to bucks. Uh, the the bucks don't have to go very far in the rut, so they're not going to be on their feet as much. You're not going to see them. They're not going to be as killable during the that phase because they don't have to go very far to find the next doe that's in estrus. So you've got so many does that are coming at the same time that he doesn't have to travel. So there is that aspect of it. Um, with the buck to doe, like I said, if you can get to even to a two to one doe to buck, that's not bad. That uh, that's an achievable goal, especially like around here where we have a lot of high deer density, um, and most of the time you're going to see more does than bucks. Then two to one is a pretty good number to shoot for. One to one is obviously you know kind of a perfect happy medium, if you can get to that point. And how you get to that point is based off of everything you're seeing. So. You can't just go sit one time and see two does and one buck and think, okay, well, I've got, you know, two does to one buck, I'm good. you got to put in your time in the stand, 
Uh, if you run trail cameras, you got to take all that into consideration as well. That's one of the best ways that we've been able to do it and kind of figure out what our buck to doe numbers are is by analyzing your trail camera photos and seeing your herd numbers, how many does are in pictures versus how many bucks are in pictures. Uh, sometimes you can tell the same does, other times you can't. Um, a lot of times it's going to be the same herd though. So if you're seeing similar numbers, eight one time, nine another, seven another, you know you've got seven to nine does in the area. And then you can kind of, obviously it's easier to tell which bucks which. So maybe you got a herd of eight does on your 60 acre piece or 80 acre piece, whatever it is, and three bucks that are staying there, then you know uh, kind of where you're at. So all that stuff goes into it as far as shooting does. And that, that stuff you should be basing your decision on whether or not to shoot does. Now, uh, if you need to just put meat in the freezer and that's what you're out there for, then by all means shoot a doe no matter what situation you're in because that's going to be one of the best ways to do it. Especially early season, they're really, I'm not going to say easy to take, but they are easier to shoot than, say, middle of the year. Um, and they're definitely easier to shoot than a mature buck most of the time. So if you need meat for the freezer, that's one reason to do it at any point um and then you know reasons to not shoot does if you're trying to build that deer herd like i was talking about um or you know time of year goes into that as well some guys will shoot does throughout november and in the rut but if you only have a certain if you're limited to say 20 40 acres to hunt you don't really want to go in there and intrude all that much shooting a doe tracking her dragging her out all night leaving all your scent in there, making all that noise, alerting all the other deer in the area that you're there during that November time frame when that's going to be your best chance to kill a buck, uh, especially if that's, you only have like that 20 or 40 acres to hunt. If you got 400 acres, then you can shoot a doe about any time of year and just leave that spot alone for a little bit and go hunt your other spots and probably be just fine. But that's something to take into consideration as well. So that goes into it. Um, that'd be a reason to not shoot them, but all that kind of stuff is what should be taken into consideration. It shouldn't be, well, I saw this guy on TV telling me I need to shoot every doe that I see, or I saw a guy on YouTube telling me not to shoot any does, uh, or heard against some idiot on a podcast like this one telling me what to do. Um, from all the data and like from the NDA and some other guys out there, um, all this, this stuff you should be taking into consideration. If you want to have the best deer herd uh, as far as managing for mature deer in general and good numbers as well. So you can have too many deer, which is another reason to shoot uh, multiple does. Even if your buck to doe is good, if you've got younger bucks, uh, you don't have any that you want to take necessarily, and then you have does, but you just have a overpopulation of deer in your area where they're going to eventually eat themselves out of all their resources um, and they're going to you know disease is going to spread a little easier from deer to deer that's going to be another reason to go in there and shoot some does and take some does out so and obviously shooting bucks can help with that situation as well but if you've got bucks that you don't necessarily want to shoot then go shoot some does so that is kind of like i said it's going to be a little shorter that's all i wanted to get into on that um as far as the shooting does goes, uh, if you guys ever have any questions about that or anything else, you can email us, send us a message on Facebook, uh, anything like that, and we'll try to get back to you, and then we'll also cover it on the podcast, especially with this new episode, well, uh, not new episode, but this new kind of installment to the podcast coming up. I want to try to do more Q&A on there, so if you have questions, by all means, send them in, leave them in the comments on YouTube, whatever it is. Speaking of that, 
If you are listening to this on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, and then you'll get notified when all of our new stuff comes out uh, and the videos that we're doing. We've got several up on Fry's, on Jeff's place now, the Fry Property Vlog. We just did one. I did one there last week, I think it was. Kind of wrapping everything up and showing you what all's going on. Uh, in my opinion, it turned out really well, especially for a first-year food plot. Now, Jeff did have that planted, but it's been several years ago now, and it's been cut for hay since then. So it's all grown in grasses and some weeds, uh, mostly grass at the time that we burned it. But we did have some weeds come up later. But either way, it, essentially what I'm getting at is it was a first-year plot. So we went ahead and we did the clover and we did the brassicas on the end and the, the oats beans on the other end of the corner all the way around like i said you can go check out all those videos on that we've talked about it on the podcast before so if you've been listening you kind of know what we have going on there and then if even if you haven't you can go to our youtube channel go to the fry property vlog uh playlist and then you can see there's four three or four or five i think installments to that so you can go see kind of from beginning to end so from when we first burned it this winter and then when we started working it, when we planted the beans and the corn and then the clover and the brassicas on the end, all the way down to that last update, which kind of showed everything, where everything was at. Um, like I said, I think it looks really good. We've got really good stuff, uh, really good brassica blend, the Southern Jubilee, along with some oats from Grandpa Ray's that's looking really good. We got rain kind of at the right times on it. And then the clover's looking really good too. And that's a tough thing to do on a first-year uh, food plot. And I'm not like trying to brag on us or nothing, but that's it's just a tough thing to do. A lot of guys have trouble with it. We've had trouble. I've had trouble with it in certain places before, um, but it just takes time and money, um, spraying and mowing and seeding. So, and it doesn't look perfect by any means. We got some frost seeding to do this winter. We're gonna have to do some more spraying and mowing next year, of course, to keep up with it. But I'm pretty happy overall with how it turned out. Um, the only really thing I'm disappointed in is. And I'm not necessarily just disappointed, but because um, it did turn out well to beginning. It just we had some weather come in and kind of knock it down, which is why we're doing what we're doing now. But the barricade that we planted, it was looking really good. We had a storm come through and pretty much blowed uh, three fourths of it down. So, but that's why, like I said, we put that switchgrass in there with it because that won't happen with the switchgrass. There's actually a strip that we left that we covered in the first video, and that there is some video of in the last one. We left a strip of switchgrass on the in between some of the rows of corn, and it's six, it's five foot tall in the short spots, seven, eight foot tall in the taller spots. So that's what we're hoping to have on both sides of that. So that'll be our screening for the future years. Well, essentially, what we did with the barricade was just trying to get something for this year, and we accomplished that. We do have some stuff in there. It does have some foxtail in it, but it's gonna accomplish the goal that we had for it. So. And give our switchgrass a chance to grow. There is some of that coming up in it, so we'll mow that and frost seed in it as well, like this winter, uh, early next year, later into the winter. And we'll have that looking good, hopefully by next year as well. So that is on YouTube. You can go check it out. And then, like I said, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and you'll see all the new stuff we got coming out there. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, go ahead and follow us. That'll give you all the updates on that. Apple Podcast. Um, I'm not exactly sure how you follow on there, but leave us a review. Um, I think right now we have one review is five stars, which is great, but even if it's a bad review, leave it for us because I want to try to improve this thing because we're doing it for you guys. So I say that I get as much out of it probably as anybody, but doing it for the listener. So if you guys have any critiques or anything you want us to talk about, 
leave us a review. Tell us how good or bad we're doing. That's what I tell everybody when I tell them to check it out. Uh, if it sucks, let us know it sucks. I, we can take it, um, and that'll help us make it better. So go do that um, if you want to support. Those are all good ways to support the podcast if you like what we're doing. And like I said, even if you don't, go do that, and we'll try to make it better for you. So other ways you can support, go check out RidgeHunterOutdoors.com. Um, we got our big buck contest going on. This is the last week to register for that. So you can go to richhunteroutdoors.com, click on the big buck contest link, and it'll take you to the page. You can see all the prizes. First prize is a Benjamin Armada PCP 22 caliber air rifle. Me and Jeff shot that thing the other day. Uh, it's pretty slick. We shot it out to 70 yards and had a decent group with it. It really good at 50 yards. And then, of course, at 25 is where we kind of sighted it in. So it was a lot of fun to shoot. And... That's going to be the first prize, either that or $500 cash. The second prize is a free shoulder mount, and then we have the Ridge Hunter prize pack. And then for the Favorite Buck Awards, um, we have two prizes there as well, valued at $85, I think is the number on that. So, And then just for entering, you're going to get a $15, $20 t-shirt, um, Ridge Hunter Big Buck Contest t-shirt for this year as well. So just like we did last year. Um, it's $20 to enter, so where it was 50 last year, we've dropped that down, um, which is kind of where we tiered the prizes based on that. So I'd like to get a few more guys in it, guys and gals in it, so go do that. If you don't want to do it through the Internet, you can always stop by the shop um, sometime this week and get signed up for it. I'll help you get uh, get hooked up on that, um, and then we'll get rolling. That'll get rolling October 1st, so like I said, the last day to register is September 30th, which is Friday, so... Go check that out. Make sure you get in on it. Don't want to miss it. Uh, it's $20 for a pretty good chance. There's five total prizes, so and you get a T-shirt no matter what. So pretty good way to – a pretty good chance of winning something if you kill a buck. So check it out. And while you're there, if you need any scents, all-natural deer scents, we've got our calming spray, of course. Uh, it'll be available around the 1st of October – or that first week of October. So sometime next week, hopefully I'll have some of that going. Uh, we got the buck and doe tarsal sprays, which are in stock now. We've got the boot spray, which will be available when the calming spray comes out. If you guys want to try any of that stuff, go on there and try it. I'm going to have a discount code for the podcast soon. Hopefully by the next one comes out, I'll remember to do that and get a discount code for the podcast listeners to try that stuff out. So we've also got apparel on there uh, if you're into that, hats and shirts and koozies and all that stuff. So go check it out. That's a really good way to support Um other ways you can support is by supporting our sponsors. Like I talked about earlier, Grandpa Ray's is what we planted there at Jeff's. Uh, it's what Nate's got planted out at his place. It's what I'm going to plant at the cabin where I don't put the wheat. And Grandpa Ray Outdoors is, um, you know, they specialize in providing best nutrition for white-tailed deer on your property, starting with the soil. Um, if you Like I said, if you listen to the podcast every week, we, you hear us talk about them. They've got a full line of high-quality seed and plant foods they started in 2015, but John O'Brien uh, up there, he's been in the business since 1991. They've got uh, over 14 total blends to choose from, so no matter what you're looking for, you shouldn't have any trouble finding it. Uh, fall, spring blends, corn, beans, switchgrass, liquid fertilizer, soil test kits. Pretty much if you're looking for it for food plots, they've got it. But they're not just about selling that stuff. Uh, he's a great John up there, and the guys are great resources for any questions you have about what blends would be best for your specific property. Because, you know, I guess they don't kind of use that cookie-cutter approach. Just like what we were talking about for shooting does, there's no one answer to any property when it comes to your food plot. So ask them any questions you have. He'll help you 
help you out answering them, deciding what to plant, uh, what you need to do to get the best results out of whatever you're planting as well as far as fertilizing or anything like that goes. So they're not about a fancy label or package either. They're about good quality seed and taking care of their clients. Um, like I just said, we've been using them all over the place this year. We're going to continue to use them because the results have been as good as advertised. I wouldn't uh, have them as a partner on this podcast if I didn't use their stuff and actually believe in it. So go check them out at GrandpaRayOutdoors.com. I just realized I've said go check them out like a ton of times already, so sorry for that. But go to GrandpaRayOutdoors.com and use discount code RHOPODCAST, all lowercase, no spaces, and you'll get 5% off your entire order there. So that'll help you with some shipping um, or just take some price off the seed. Also, we do have a little bit of their stuff in stock in the shop right now, which is next to the locker in Sikink's building. Uh, we're up front there. You can come in and get that, or you can order, and then I'll, we'll take care of the shipping for you, so you won't have to worry about that. Uh, the other partner for our podcast is Rack's Big Game Supplements. And they're a veteran-owned company out of northeast Nebraska. Uh, they're deer hunters just like you and me. who are looking to get more out of the mineral and feed market than what was there at the time. Um, because of that, they used years of research and come up with their mixes. Uh, they'll help improve your herd's overall health while not feeding non-target species like raccoons. They've got minerals, protein blocks, pelletized feed, and meal feed, all specifically designed for whitetails. So where that's legal, if you're in a state where you can use that stuff, go check these guys out. Um, they've been a great partner to the podcast, awesome guys to work with. You can use discount code RHO22, capital RHO22, at checkout to receive 5% off your entire order at RaxMineral.com, R-A-K-S, Mineral.com. Or you can stop by the shop and get that too. Uh, we do have some of that stuff in stock. And actually, uh, Michael's been using some of it out on the property in Missouri where he's at, up in northeast Missouri. And he's seeing some pretty good results on it as well. So they got good stuff there. Seeing deer coming in and nothing else. So go check them out if you're using any of that mineral supplements or protein blocks uh, or if you're feeding They've got great stuff there. That's a way you can support us as well. Again, appreciate everybody who's listening to this and who's tuning in every week. Sorry we didn't get one out last week. Hopefully through the season it'll be easier to keep on this regular pace. So we've actually been, I think we passed our year anniversary maybe last week of starting this. I know we're obviously not at 52 episodes because we've missed a little bit. But it's been an awesome first year, guys. Uh, appreciate all those who have stuck with us and who have joined in at some point over the last year. Hopefully we'll keep this thing going for several years to come and try to keep making it better and better. We've got some ideas for improvements that hopefully will be coming down the line shortly, maybe during this season. We'll just have to see how it all works out. But again, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll catch you guys again next Monday, hopefully with more than just me on here. Thanks, guys.